I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we are talking about Johannes Vermeer. Oh, as in the painter. Yeah, isn't that nice? Oh, wow. That's actually really cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's really cool. He's one of my, he's probably my favourite Dutch master. Um, uh, yeah, I've never been a huge wicked. fan of Rembrandt. I have, I have to admit. Mm. Um, I feel like a lot of his pictures, I think this might be something my parents said and I just heard it at a young age and I was like, yes, I think this. Um, but like a lot of his pictures do kind of look muddy. Whereas mm. Vermeer is, well, sorry, is there something in there about Vermeer being the master of light, Dan? Yes, indeed. Well, indeed, tell me, is. tell me more about the well, article. Johannes Vermeer, his original name being Jan Vermeer van Delft, was a Dutch Baroque period painter who specialised in domestic interior scenes of middle class life. During his lifetime, he was a moderately successful provincial genre painter, recognised in Delft and The Hague. Nonetheless, he produced relatively few paintings was uh, and evidently was not wealthy, leaving his wife and children in debt at his death. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, not so, that. I thought he'd be fairly well off. So just thinking about it, like, mm. if Vermeer were alive today, because I'd never really considered it, but yes, I suppose he did do middle class activities, right? You know, these weren't yeah. very poor people, but they also weren't very wealthy. What would yeah. Vermeer be painting today? What would it be? Um, Vermeer doing the Waitrose shop. Still, yeah, still life in the world food aisle of Waitrose. <laughs> the, Okada, be, be, the Okada <laughs> delivery being received. Yeah, he would be. He'd be painting um, a middle class mother in uh, kind of like jogging bottoms and like a sports top with um, two kids in the trolley as she's looking for spices to use in her tagine the recipe for which she found in the waitrose weekend magazine oh, of course <laughs> yeah that's that's what he'd be doing i'm imagining i, I think like, he'd love it, it i think vermeer it, would love waitrose i'm imagining that he would do a callback to the creation of man on the sistine chapel but it's it's a lady in a face mask obviously safety first mm. uh, leaning mm. out of her house to receive the ocado groceries that are being delivered with you know slanting light three quarters angle Mike, <laughs> sorry. Right. Okay. I'm very sorry. The the spirits of of uh, Johannes Vermeer. We we really do like your art. We're just taking the piss. Um. So, hey, what did you say his original his actual name was? Jan Vermeer van Delft. So presumably Van Delft is like Da Vinci. So you know he was from Delft. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. So is he part of? How how do you? Yeah, how did he become so famous? Like, did he join a master's studio or something like that? Because I know that's often what happens with these famous painters. You know, they'll join um, a, a, a studio of an existing master and then they realise mm. that they've got some hot shit on their hands. It says here that uh, under his career, it is unclear where and with whom Vermeer apprenticed as a painter. There is some speculation that Karel Fab- Fabritius uh, may have been his teacher based upon a controversial interpretation of a text written in 1668 by printer Arnold Bonn. Uh, on the 29th of December 1653, Vermeer became a member of the Guild of St. Luke, a trade association for painters. Uh, and then, what else have we got? It was a year of plague, war and economic crisis. Vermeer was not alone in experiencing difficult financial circumstances. 
1654, the city suffered the terrible explosion known as the Delft Thunderclap. Which what? just destroyed a large section of the city. Hang on. Um, I've hang never on heard of this. No, nor have I. Right. We're going on a... We're going we're on a bear hunt, everyone. And, yeah. Um, oh, hang on. No, that's just taken me to Delft. I don't, I don't want that. I want the Delft Thunderclap. Oh, here we go. Del- the Delft Explosion, also known as, in history, as the Delft Thunderclap. Thunder! Occurred on the 12th of October, 1654, when a gunpowder store exploded destroying much of the city. Over 100 people were killed and thousands were injured. Good grief. Oh, right. Is About it... 30 tonnes of gunpowder were stored in barrels in a magazine in a former uh, Clarist Covenant in the Dolenkvartier uh, district, where the uh, Pardenmarkt is now located. Cornelius Sultans, the keeper of the magazine, opened the store to check the sample of gunpowder and a huge explosion followed. God, he literally opened the door... And it blew up. <laughs> but at least he probably didn't have much time to worry about what was happening. Oh, today oh, the explosion fuck. is primar- <laughs> primarily remembered for killing Rembrandt's most promising pupil, oh, Harold Fabritius. But, and, and, the, and this is the guy who made the um, is the corn crake, that painting uh, that, that was made into a book and it was a film recently with Ansel Elgort. What's its mm. name? Oh, I remember hearing about this now. Um, yeah. Oh, is it the gold... Oh, bird! What's it called? The goldfinch. The goldfinch. Yeah. yeah. Not, is that that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bloody nailed it, Dan! I remembered something fantastic. in my old um, age. Fantastic. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I have heard about it because it's one of those um, it's one of those disasters that you kind of read about, and if it would almost be funny if it didn't kill so many people, you know. Mm. Like, because I, I, the one that I always think of is, have you ever heard of the London beer flood? No. So this was... Oh, hang on. Possibly. This is 19th century. Uh, I just Googled... Yeah, here we go. Here's the wiki. Um, in 1814, a 22-foot-tall wooden vat of fermenting porter burst. The pressure of the escaping liquid dislodged the valve of another vessel and destroyed several large barrels... Between a hundred and three hundred thousand imperial gallons of beer were released in total. The resulting wave of porter destroyed the back wall of the brewery and swept into an area of slum dwellings known as the St. Giles Rookery. Eight people mm. were killed, five of them mourners at a wake being held for an Irish family for a two-year-old boy. Oh dear. So literally just drowned in beer. But then it the, the about similar kind of things, there are other articles um linked to the Great Molasses Flood, which was in Boston. The Honolulu Masses... Oh, wow. The Honolulu Molasses Spill was only in 2013. Um, Honolulu Molasses should be a tongue twister. Honolulu Molasses is a a vocal (laughs) warm-up. Yeah. Um, And uh, in that one, 1,400 tons of molasses spilled into Honolulu Harbor. Uh, And... Wait a minute. Oh, okay, right. Um, and it basically it killed a bunch of coral and fish, but no people. But compare that to the Pepsi fruit juice flood. Well, <laughs> in 2017, a PepsiCo warehouse roof collapsed unexpectedly. The warehouse was located in Lebedian, ah, the center of Pepsi's operations in Russia. Um, the collapse of the roof caused two injuries and sent 28 million liters of juice into the streets of, of Lebedian. Good grief. Like, 
I don't know, like if if you were to write that into a book, you'd be like, no, that's ridiculous. Don't be stupid, mm. Simon. That the, the the great Pepsi flood, the great molasses flood. Like that doesn't happen, but well, no. it does. So, so hang on, right? Go, going back to the uh, to the the clapback, the almighty dummy thick cheeks clapping. Um, in mm. was it Utrecht? I actually can't remember. Delft. Delft. That was it. Um, right. What, what what can you tell me? This is well, this is actually an interesting article we can talk about. Well, we so we've had the we've had the marvelous. Well, I suppose you can call it a marvelous explosion. Should be that's a bit dark. Um, <laughs> people would most likely know Vermeer for Girl with a Pearl Earring. Yeah. Probably his most famous work, or most well-known, if not most um, famous. Mm. Um, my favourite ever um, is the, his painting The View of Delft, which oh. is in the Moritz House, which is a fantastic museum. I, I remember mentioning it to you when we, we were, were in, in the Amsterdam. Museum. Yeah, um, it's a really, really gorgeous um art gallery in Den Haag, The Hague. Um and uh and it's lovely and there's loads of Vermeer there and and the girl with the pearl earring and um the ah, view of Delft is yeah. in there. Because I remember when we were in the Rijksmuseum, we we sort of were surprised that they didn't have the girl with the pearl earring there and they actually had like a little sign up saying, you know, don't worry, it's it's just in the Hague. Um yeah. not for war crimes. So just just the, you know Yeah, exactly. It's being it's being tried. Um the collections in the Maritz House, the collections contain works by Johannes Vermeer, Rembrandt, um, Stein, Potter, Hals, Riesdale, uh, Holbein the Younger, and uh, and others. Was <laughs> Holbein... If you're one of those others, you'd feel dreadful. Holbein the Younger, was he the one that did the Ambassadors? He was a Tudor painter, wasn't he? Um, let's have a look. But art history, I know a little about art history. My my knowledge is is wide but shallow. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just looking whilst, whilst yes, you did the ambassadors, yeah. Oh, sick! Oh god, I've, I've still got it, Dan. Still got it. Um, Killing it. Uh, what is it about the view of Delft? So I'm, I'm looking at this painting right now, and to remove yeah. bias here, this is a um, it's an interesting composition because it's basically square. And mm. the top half of the painting is a blue sky uh, flecked with cumulus clouds. And the bottom half is, it, it's quite strangely um, framed, but in a way that I do like, um, where you have kind of the skylines occupies quite a thin strip of the painting, which is uh, red roofs and you can see some church towers. And uh, it faces onto a quayside and there's a streak of river um, in front of the uh, skyline and then in the foreground you have uh, an embankment with just a couple of people on i can't put my finger on why down but it's a really pleasing composition is that why you mm. like it do you think i think so it's kind of it's it's kind of in the territory of uh, turner in that so much of turner's landscapes are there's so much sky right mm. so easily two-thirds of this composition are sky um obviously in a totally different style to turner um but there's a real there's a real sense of kind of being out in the open and it, it, it being in this kind of expansive environment mm. and due to the time of 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 painting the the skyline and the cityscape is very very low because there wouldn't have been aside from i suppose churches um they're the only kind of real highlights those kind of the steeples on the, on the on the yeah on the skyline um 
But for me, and it's something that it's it's hard to capture looking at an image. You kind of need to see it in person. And this is why I think Vermeer is my my favorite Dutch master. His ability to to capture light with such detail is incredible. Um, You can see, so some of the buildings in the kind of middle ground, I suppose, um, the sun would be behind those buildings, right? So the front, the the kind of facades of these buildings are in shadow. However, looking further back to the um, background of the painting, you can see um, buildings in the back that are really, really well lit. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's just so, really captivating. It's same with the, with the actual, with the girl, um, girl with the pearl earring. Yeah. Um, the, just the, the, the kind of the incredible meticulous detail and subtlety of how certain, certain little flashes of light are captured. It's both still and you can imagine hitting play and seeing the scene move yeah. about, you know? It, now it, it's interesting you say this because about how precise the light is because um, the Smithsonian Magazine have done an article on this. Um, there mm-hmm. is an astronomer, uh, what is his name, Donald Olson at Texas State University, who has pinpointed uh, the, the 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 exact time that the painting must have been painted based on how mm. the light is striking the bell tower in the back. So apparently it's portrays the city at 8 a.m. in early September 1659 or 1658. Mm. So that's it, it, it's so photographic. It is so precise that you can work that out afterwards. That is pretty, pretty fucking cool. Like, that's yeah. extraordinary. It's just so, so detailed. And, and oh, that's interesting. So... If you go to the... Are you on the View of Delft Wikipedia page? Uh, uh, I can be. I am If you now. go there and you scroll down to um, description, on the right-hand side of the page, there is a photo taken from 2019 oh, yeah. trying to pinpoint the location of where this was taken. It's just really cool to view them side by side. Yeah, got... But but isn't it interesting how that photo is taken in such a way that it completely strips the view of any interest? The composition mm. is just wrong, and yeah. I think I think it's taken too close with an, a lens that's too wide. Yeah, it, it's the uh, Vermeer's painted it as if it's being viewed through a lens that is further back and has a has a greater focal length, which is just such an interesting idea that as mm. a painter you have the ability to pick a focal length that you're yeah. viewing the world through. Well, it says here in the description, it is believed that Vermeer created this painting using an optical device, possibly a camera obscura or a telescope to capture the detail. Ah, now that is interesting. Because of course, that's yeah. that would have been the only form of, of lens, of optical instrumentation that was available. Because there's... Yeah. um. Uh, a small print that Hokusai, sorry, not a print, a watercolor that was turned into a print that Hokusai did, um, that is is amazing because it's what, so nineteenth century, early nineteenth century, um, and it's a view of the top of the um, oh, what's the name of the temple? Is it uh, Shenjoji Temple in in Tokyo? Mm. And it's clearly to modern eyes taken through like a telephoto lens. Like it just looks like yeah, the space is compressed because you can see the Shenzhou Temple and then behind it is Mount Fuji. But you would only actually see that through a telescope or through a telephoto lens. And yet 
I, I don't know if he actually had access to those things or if, you know, he was just using his imagination. Mm. Oh, man, man, I, I, I've not seen this painting before, I don't think, Dan, but I've got to say that is that is really gorgeous. Yeah, it's a lovely thing. I, I, I really like it. Also, I've only just got onto the wiki for Vermeer. The uh, alleged self-portrait that is at the top of the page Mm. I can only describe it as it looks like a shit post. <laughs> yeah, it does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> like, it literally looks like a meme. Apparently, so what is this? This is it's believed to be a self-portrait that he snuck into the procuress. Oh, that's one of only three paintings that Vermeer signed and dated. Good grief! Dated. He was twenty-four. No, get out. When he when he painted that. Yeah, but so how how many how many masterful paintings have you done, Dan? Oh dear, not nearly enough. And you're you're 24, aren't you? I'm 24 in February. Ah, oh, nearly. So I've still got a couple of months to get my uh, yeah my masterwork complete. Yeah, you've you've got to you've you've got to speed up, Dan, because like, I, I think you've yeah. got some catching up to do. I mean, by your age, Mozart had been probably dead for like six years or something. Mm. Uh, it's like dog years. In Mozart years, you're <laughs> you're 80. <laughs> You should have accomplished everything by now, Dan. <laughs> so we're now actually back to regular episodes. We had we had quite the um, gap last time, and mm. a few things have changed, uh, including our, our editing being done by Dan himself, the boy wonder. Yeah, I've I, I, I got to say, I think, twist. <laughs> I think you did a great job, Dan. Like not oh, not thanks. not being patronising or funny or anything. I think you did a really good job. So I look forward to it you was doing a fun little more. It was a fun little project. Um, it's hard though I, isn't it yeah and I, well it, see it's satisfying because i could I, as i was going through the process i was already noticing that i in terms of kind of like my order of operations i can streamline it much much more mm. um by by addressing certain things first you know rather than kind of going in with kind of detail at the beginning and then and then yeah, having to yeah. move something and then as a result being like oh well hang on now i have to redo this because it doesn't make sense or um it's yeah, a, it was it was it was good fun. It's a real art form, and I'm not just saying that because I do quite a lot of it. But it, mm. it's something that uh, Pixel Girl has also um, experienced. Because I, I don't know if we, I don't think we talked about this last time. But she's um, started an extracurricular club for her kids, um, and obviously with it being COVID, it kind of has to be remote, really. Um, mm. But more so because she is doing. Uh, a Spanish cooking club and oh. she didn't have the permission to do you know cooking in the school because it's a health and safety nightmare and obviously COVID blah 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 um so she has basically found traditional Spanish recipes or, or Hispanic because it's there's also stuff from um South America for example um mm-hmm. and uh produced videos which I filmed and then she edited um of her making the recipes as if it was a cooking show and it's it was quite gratifying to see her editing for however many hours it was and saying this is really hard <laughs> like yeah. she finally got why it takes i spend so long working because yeah it's it's not easy doing this it's it's uh it's the less glamorous side of doing you know podcasting or video production or what have you it's the yeah hours how and the sausage hours. is made stuff yeah what was it? Yeah. That's one of my favourite quotes. It's like I think it was Kaiser Wilhelm that was like, "There are two things that the common person should not uh, research how they're made." 
obviously this is translated and I'm probably mangling it. And those mm. two things are sausages and law. Mm. Which I just thought was such a great quote. Well, it's funny you should mention law and how it's made because I've been starting some of this like prelim work before my yeah. profession starts proper in January. And the module is called Legal Method. And it's going through um, the kind of the background history of um, English and kind of UK courts and why they are as they are and where the Crown Prosecution Service came from and um, the difference between common law and equity and why equity exists. Um, And that's pretty it's really cool because basically common (laughs) common law is terrifying. Um, (laughs) It sounds it sounds like. okay. so here's an here's an example. You're buying a house. Okay, sounds right. far-fetched, but I'll go with it. Yeah, you're buying a house uh, with Pixel Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Pixel Girl puts up a load of money for the deposit. Right. She puts, that dep- she puts the deposit down of her, of her cash, right? Then mm-hmm. you take out a mortgage to pay for the house. Right. As, you're paying, as you're paying the house off, Pixel Girl also puts forward some of her money to... Uh, to help to help pay off that mortgage. So at this point, she's she's put the deposit down and she's contributing to paying for the mortgage. However, when you bought the house, someone needs to be need, someone needs to contact the land and registry um, like department um, to list the house under their name, and that's that's you because you took out the mortgage on the house. Right. Okay. Now, according to common law, uh, two years passes, things don't go so well, and you're going to you're going to separate. Who has the house? But simply because you put oh, your name God. down, it's you. And Pixel Girl would get nothing. Which okay, is right. which is crazy, right? Because from a kind of from a kind of moral perspective, you would think, well, hang on a minute. Pixel Girl has contributed money to this. She's yeah. entitled to something. And this stems from the interesting thing is, this stems from a time when um knights would fight, go off to fight in the Crusades. You're, wait, they seriously? Very, this this yeah. lord is okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. When knights would fight in the Crusades, they would very often give the, the kind of the deeds to their house or their estate to a friend to look after it. Um, they would sign it over so it would be looked after. And when they come back, they have their house back. But some of these friends would just go, no, actually, I'm not going to give it to, back to you. And the only way of these knights being able to petition to go, hang on, this isn't fair. They are acting unconscionably um, would be to go to the king and the king would make an exception because he has divine like you know divine right of rule and kind of supreme justice hmm. um so what you would do as that was when what we now know is equity begins to temper the common law so in an instance where someone or a party is acting without conscience without good conscience or unconscionably you use equity to temper common law so thanks to equity if you and Pixel Girl separated, um, it wouldn't just be you who gets any money or gets the house. Oh, because how, how is it that you're, uh, you're... This is only the preliminary reading and I already feel like I'm out of my depth for studying it's law. It's so interesting. But, it's, but the thing is so cool about this module is that not only does it explain these terms as we understand them today, but it gives it places them within a historical context and, and why, they, why they came about. Mm. So the reason, for instance, that equity... Um, is uh, often potentially confused with, but 
often explained as applying some kind of like moral compass to things, despite the fact that the whole point of law is to separate what is lawful and unlawful and what is moral, because yeah. morality doesn't really come into law. Um, Clearly. Well, yeah. Um, the, the reason that this kind of more moral view and acting without uh, good conscience comes in is because the when the king was realizing, this is back to kind of like crusades times, right? When the king was noticing that there were so many requests of people coming in to try and sort stuff out, he basically didn't have time. So they set up a specific court, um, the name of which escapes me, but it still exists today. Um, Kind of duty of care for applying this idea of equity back then was given to, I believe, the Lord Chancellor, who was very often a high-ranking religious individual or bishop or Mm. archbishop. And archbishops and the kind of the priesthood already had a kind of a history with kind of moral judgment, right? Mm. So it was more easy, it was seen, for that for that person to be fulfilling that role because of, you know, the kind of morality of the church, um, which is, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. This is what I was looking at yesterday. So if anyone's listening, if I know, I know. Someone will absolutely be listening and, and probably going to be correcting me on this, but First I think of all, I'm broadly, I'm broadly right. <laughs> I'm broadly right, um, um, and it's just it's really it's really interesting. Wow! So, well, yeah. I just it it's, it's just makes me smile to hear you um, be so passionate about something because uh, you know, like obviously, you've had a really crap time this year, and it's just so mm. nice to hear you uh, just to see the the, the 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 shine on your nose and the wagging of your tail. You know, mm. it's it's just it does my heart good things. It's like looking it's at a, a Bob lovely, Ross painting. It's, it's a lovely feeling to be able to. I'm so ready to throw myself into this mm. kind of this legal abyss come January, but I've got a little <laughs> kind of taster of it now. I say a little taster. There's a lot of work to do before the course even starts, so I need to uh, crack on with that. Oh, speaking of law. Just before we move on to my choral piece of the week, which we totally um, didn't forget last time, which we to- yeah absolutely absolutely. <laughs> um, Who would even I say you, that? I have a letter. Oh, I have a letter from the University of Law, and it's a little oh. little small thing, and I'm confused because it's a. It feels like there's something in it. You know, when you get a letter in the post and it's from some bank trying to sell you a credit card. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that, and I'm intrigued as to kind of see what it is. So I'm. I'm opening it now. Is this the? Is, please don't tell me this is you being unenrolled from the University of Law. We hear out live on the episode. Well, it's it says here, congratulations on your offer. Here's your first taste of success. Now I've already accepted my offer, so so that so that's fine. However, on the front of this little bit of like brochure, there's something that looks like you know when you're in a hotel room and there's the little that there's the little tray on one of the side tables with a kettle and a selection yeah, yeah. of tea bags. That's what looks like a tea bag. Um, <laughs> it's a promising start for you, Dan. It says, here's your first taste of success. It also looks a bit like a condom, um, which is alarming. I, I, I mean, maybe this is, maybe, maybe law is just a massive lads club. And, maybe. Uh, and, yeah, maybe. And they're just like, here you go, mate. It's your first taste of success. Have one on us. It's a tea bag. It is actually a tea bag. It's a tea bag. It's a University of Law branded tea bag. <laughs> you it found your place, nice. Dan. This is Here's definitely your... <laughs> the place you should be. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to be tweeting at you, Law, in the next two hours, thanking them for the tea bag and reassuring for me that this is exactly what I need to be doing. I'm on the right track next year. Wow, that is hilarious. <laughs> what a nice, what a nice thing. 
And I, I see, and that's why they said, here's your first taste, taste of, success. of success. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> well. That's but, jolly, isn't it? Honestly, that is so on brand for you. I mean, obviously, yeah. now people are going to know when we recorded the episode, Dan. They're going to look back on your Twitter feed, because what is your Twitter handle, Dan? At Daniel J. Moore. Well, is, is it actually, just thinking aloud, is it going to be a problem that we have a wildly successful podcast um, which will found at some I don't point. think I don't think us having a wildly successful podcast has ever been a problem, nor will it ever be a problem. <laughs> well, and your your social media notoriety. You know, you've been recognised multiple times in the club, uh, in the uh, club, as, like, yeah. as the children call it these days. Um, yeah, and you know, is that going to be a problem for your legal career that you are? I don't. I don't internet know. Famous? I'm considering starting. I want to start a blog next year. Mm. Um. And try and keep it. This is this is such a spectacular failure of what I've been planning because I was literally about to say, I want to start a blog next year and try and keep it anonymous. He <laughs> says, announcing on a, on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous. Wait, uh, yeah, closure is everyone. Uh, just just ignore this. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm not going to. People might know that it's my blog, but I'm not ever going to put my name on it. So right. I need to come up with something along the lines of The Secret Barrister, you know. But uh, I want to do it to kind okay. of catalogue my GDL experience and use it to kind of reflect and things. And I mean, I've got to say, I think that is, would be interesting. There is a baffling amount of support for the Old Man Dan podcast to become a thing. And I don't know, I feel like as soon as you've now got your first taste, you've had your, oh, you've wet, you've wet your fingers in GarageBand. Maybe mm. you could do your a podcast of just you reading poetry. I feel like people the the, the demand yeah. is there. People would listen to it. I could, yeah, I could do. I suppose. I mean, I'm also conscious that I'm going to have quite a lot to crack on with anyway next year. Ah, um, it'd be fine. You can yeah. you can study and make videos and podcasts. The, the first same thing time. can be it can be me reviewing this you law tea bag, <laughs> <laughs> which is just a, that's so nice it's so lovely i think it's worked i think whatever their uh their marketing strategy was here i think it's worked on you right we're nearly um we're nearly half an hour in and we haven't done a coral piece of the week so right, without further ado i'm going to hand over to the editor um as we can we get another editor in. interlude please uh, editor could you how are you doing today darling how how uh, sorry sounds like uh, yes darling uh, <laughs> um, how are you doing today, editor? Over to you. Hello. This is the editor. And can I say how lovely it is for you all to check in on me? Everything's going really rather well, I think you'd agree. And I am, of course, ensuring that this podcast remains serious, professional, and without any silliness whatsoever. Oh, he's, uh, he's sounding pretty good. Oh, what, a, what, a, it's quite, what a soothing, lovely voice. It's quite sexy, actually, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, kind, was... kind of sexy in a, in a kind of slightly repressed Radio 4 kind of way. Yeah, I was, I was quite surprised when he went on that massive uh, homophobic tangent, but... Yeah, well, God. You know, nobody's perfect, in the immortal <laughs> words of Miley Cyrus. Nobody's perfect. You live and you learn it again and again until you get it right. And there was also something about party in the USA or something. But... I think so, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Party in the D party in the DDR. <laughs> right. Okay. Here we here we go. My oh, choral piece oh, of the week. What is this stupid podcast? And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. Oh. 
So after that wonderful lead-in into my choral piece of the week, it will come as no surprise um, that I uh, I don't actually have a choral piece of the week this week. <laughs> I um, one job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Well, the thing is, I've been doing lots of I've been I've been doing lots of choral singing through lockdown because the cathedral, Exeter Cathedral, this is has um we don't we didn't know at that stage what the situation would be going into December mm. so through the lockdown period we were we were allowed access into the building and we recorded a load of videos to be released as a sort of advent calendar through december um, oh nice uh which is which you know which is um, which is quite fun um uh, so but i'm a little bit kind of choral pieced out um well do, i mean it is the christmas season down though and as well as as well as christmas music that's been written you know for choirs we could just talk about stuff like slade and wizard we could we could do that yeah. i was listening tell you what i tell you what i was listening to that has been a kind of rediscovery for me um the best of elvis christmas <laughs> it's great it's really good it's sure. really really good um, i used to listen to elvis a lot and my my father really likes uh likes his stuff and we were driving down from oxford to exeter i say we i was driving down oh. um which is very exciting oh yeah a week today, in fact, in three minutes' time, a week today, I will be starting my practical driving test. Oh wow! <laughs> to try and get my to try and get my license, which is quite exciting. Yeah, um, that is. Good but yeah, luck. I was driving down with my dad, and we we put uh, we put Elvis on not Christmas stuff because this was kind of a few months ago, but. Uh, it was really good. I forgot but, how much I really enjoy Elvis's stuff. But when is the appropriate time to listen to Christmas music? Like, when do you start? Is it because in my head it's post remembrance? Like that's that's the official. It's okay from the twelfth of November onwards. Well, it depends. Thing, this see, this is where it gets all complicated, isn't it? Because it depends on from a kind of choral perspective. You can have Christmassy music, but then you've got to kind of delineate within that whether it's like adventy music or right. um, epiphany music or you know so i would say much like eating mince pies or even buying mince pies and putting up your tree and listening to christmas music for me it's the first of december right okay that's my kind of i went i was i was at home earlier in lockdown for a couple of weeks and we finished dinner and my mother asked if anyone would like a mince pie and i got very cross <laughs> No, Very no, cross. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I refused. Everyone else had one and I didn't. I, I went and found something else. But uh, there's some, I think, you know, you've, some things in this life are still sacred, aren't they? Uh, and for me, that's that's mince pies in December. That's that's it. You know, that's the, that's the point. See, it's funny because I would definitely say that mince pies are the last of the elements of the Christmas season that come into mm. play. I'd mm. I, I would agree because I actually ate my first mince pie yesterday. I waited until December to do it, but right. stuff like Christmas music, I feel like I don't know. That's like the ramp up period. You can, you know, the, the, you, you're not. But but also, there's different tiers of Christmas music. I would argue because you've got like your your stuff like Mariah Carey. You're not going to want to listen to that until it's relatively close to Christmas. But I feel like there's a lot of, especially classical Christmas music um, stuff mm. like I don't know, Lauritans O Magnum Mysterium or. Um, insert any number of pieces here. Um, yeah. You know, you could listen to that for quite some way just to get yourself in a, not a festive spirit, 
Actually, no, no, maybe that is it. Maybe you want in, to get in a festive spirit, but not a Christmas spirit, if that makes yeah. sense. Or like Handel's Messiah or yeah. the Nutcracker. Yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I suppose so. I think for me, I'm a bit of a purist about it. I won't listen to anything that's even kind of remotely close to Christmassy music until December. Mm. Um, it was the 1st of December when I started decorating my uh, decorating my Christmas tree. Um which was I was I was mentioning to Simon earlier. It was a, it was a slightly hilarious um, choice, really, because I was having a bit of a low day and was a bit like, oh god, I need to I need to cheer myself up. Tell you what, I'll do, I'll decorate my Christmas tree alone in the house and put some put oh, some Christmas that, music on. That's different to what you said and, to me. You said you 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 decided to put the Christmas tree up yourself. I was, I was assuming that was what you meant by feeling, making yourself feel better. Yeah. Oh, I see. Sorry, I was being, I was being dim there. What you're, what you're, ins- what you're implying there is that I, I physically inserted the Christmas tree into, into my, into my being. Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> lovely, isn't it? That's very festive too. Well, thank you for that. The pine hey, needles as I was, are awful. <laughs> as I was, uh, as I was, yeah, but I'm beautifully scented now. You can see, it's quite, it's quite pleasant. Um, no, I thought I'd cheer myself up by by putting up and decorating uh, my tree, and I realised. Upon completion of putting up said tree and Michael Bublé kind of blaring eerily round the house, that it was just actually quite a lonely, <laughs> lonely thing to do. It, ah. the kind of the, the, the Christmas lights were winking at me, and I was kind of sitting there, and I had, I kind of I had a Bailey's clutched in my hand, and was like, oh man, this was this was not a this was not a good idea at all. I should have <laughs> milk was a poor choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's up now, and it looks great. My tree looks looks gorgeous. So. What is what is if you had to pick one popular music Christmas song, Dan? What what's your go to? I feel like everyone has one that they're they're slight their slight favourite. Popular music. Hang on. Right. Sorry, you said popular music as if you'd vaguely heard of it before. <laughs> popular music. Yes. I, th- I think I I think I know what that is. Um, I like. Obviously, Fairy Tale of New York mm-hmm. is a bit of a cl- bit of a classic, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Elton John's "Step Into Christmas" is hilarious. That is a great song. That's that's definitely top tier for me. We it's should... one of those brilliant songs that you can't help but step and click to yeah. while you're listening to it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should do a stream where we do you know those tier charts. We and we mm. we do a, a tier ranking of Christmas songs. I, I'd be up for that. I think that'd I think be fun. An excellent idea. What's what? Actually, yeah. What's what's in the tier? What is the worst type of? I'm not a big fan of "All I Want for Christmas Is You." There, I said it. I don't think it's. Yeah, I, I would actually agree. I'd agree with you. Mariah Carey is a fantastic singer. She's got a great voice. You know, to top top draw stuff. Mm. I just don't particularly rate the song. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, if I had to pick mm. one, I think I would pick um, Greg Lake. Um, I believe in Father Christmas, which is the one okay. that takes its melody from uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant KJ uh, by mm. oh, is it Stravinsky? It's one of those early twentieth century Russian composers. But it was a oh, film. another another classic. I yeah. just remembered Nat King Cole, the Christmas song. Now is that um... chestnuts roasting on an open fire? Isn't it? Yeah, that's that one. I did that one at the karaoke, the um, Jingle Jam last year, actually. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. Oh, nice. I was I felt like a proper crooner. I was there with a whiskey in my hand, 
And I like oh, very good. tilted my glass to Lewis when I started singing. Um, smooth, oh, very smooth. Oh. Um, yeah, that, no, that that's that's great. That, that, that. I'd be interested to know, given that we have so many uh, listeners, readers from around the world. Mm. I'd love to hear. I'd love to get some emails in of people sending in more kind of cultural classics from where they are around the world. So to, to, to give a really linear reading of the text, I mean things like Feliz Navidad in the kind of Spanish, uh, yeah. Latin American. Have you seen um, my dad? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> he left on Christmas Eve last year and never came back. Have you seen my dad? <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to hear some... <laughs> Some stuff, some stuff like that. Like, if we've got any listeners from, yeah, I don't know, Norway or yeah, what does a Norwegian Christmas look like? I mean, to be fair, I imagine a Norwegian Christmas is like being in the fridge but the lights turned off. Like, it's it's I know dark how to say, cold. Um, I know how to say Merry Christmas in Norwegian. Oh, go on. I think it's something like uh, God Jul. Now that rings up because I think that's also similar in German, isn't it? Probably. Uh, they're similarish languages, aren't they? Yeah, you can tell yeah, we're not yes. linguists. <laughs> Let's just make big sweeping generalizations about yeah. different cultures. That's, yeah, that's yeah, the safest thing to do. <laughs> Germans like Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's um, we haven't done critics. Wait, we we still haven't picked a choral piece. This whole podcast is a sham, Dan. I don't think we have a choral piece. I think we've had a we've had an expansive discussion Greg about the Lake. nature of Christmas music. I, I, I believe in Father Christmas. I'm stealing it. Amazing. <laughs> That's number Brilliant. Wang. Now it's Critics Corner. <laughs> right, Dan. Right. What are you going to be critical of? Uh, I'm going to keep it brief because we've been rambling quite a bit, mm. but I did watch a really excellent foreign language film that's currently on BBC iPlayer the other day mm-hmm. called Balloon. Um, and it's based on a true story. Um, and it's the story of a German family, I believe. Yeah. Following the crossing of the inner German border by the families uh, Streslich and Wetzel from the GDR to West Germany in the summer of 1979. 70. Desperate to leave the GDR, they flee in a homemade hot air balloon. And it's based on a true story. Wow! Oh, that's and so it's, cool. It's really good. It's really good. Oh, I've never heard of um, that before. Yeah, it was. It came out in 2018, um, and it's yeah. I, I I thought it was excellent. Wow! Oh, fantastic stuff. Um, I mean, what mm. have I watched? I um, uh, God, I haven't watched very much actually recently. Uh, Pixel Girl and I've been watching his Dark Materials and the, Man- the Mandalorian, which I really wish I'd oh, yeah. seen the Clone Wars because. The new episode was very Clone Wars heavy, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. In terms of characters that it sort of brought back into the fold. Um, God, I haven't really watched very much at all. I've been, I mean, I've been watching the Jingle Jam over the past couple of days. Um, of course, we're as, remi- remiss to mention it. As we're recording this, I will include a link in the uh, description of the podcast. So if you don't know what that is, basically it's a an annual charity event that the Oxcast do. They stream 12 hours a day in December. They've actually scaled it back. I think they're only doing two weeks of streams this year because COVID makes it much more difficult to do it to a, a high mm. standard. Um, 
and uh, the, you donate to it's not a humble bundle this year it's actually a tiltify for reasons that I won't get into um, and basically if you donate more than 25 pounds I think it is you get about 300 pounds worth of video games that have been donated um, to the Oxcast by the developers uh, for uh, for the purposes of this charity event so it's a it's a great deal for you and it also supports a bunch of charities including mental health uh researching in gaming um it's oh god i'm trying to remember there's the uh, the grand appeal which is the uh, children's unit at the bri um uh, the, the hospital in bristol um there's uh, well and dolphins conservation trust there's there's a ton of really really good charities that are uh, supported by it so if you haven't already at the time of listening do check it out um it's it's a very very good deal and it's a very very good cause and if it's any encouragement i'm gonna i'm gonna name check him here why not uh the one and only dan hanvey dan he mm. he donated a thousand pounds you're joking he donated a thousand pounds to the jingle jam because he is a lovely man and- oh my goodness he cut every now and then i was chatting with him this morning um and he takes your breath away does he he does he really does he's such a well, the thing oh, is, I think I think in particular for him because he's spent a lot of time at the BRI in Bristol because that's where the, the regional cystic fibrosis centre is. Um, you know, there's a reason to support the the children's ward there because you know he knows he he, he knows the value of good regional healthcare like that mm. um, and specialist healthcare. So uh, he's just great. He's the boy your mum wishes you could be. You know, um, yeah. I mean, he's an engineer, but apart from that. Uh, he's 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 doing great. So yes, yeah, sorry. That that's just I just I just think he he's deserving of some praise for that because it's a wonderful thing that you did, Danvi. Uh, and you're a great boy. Yep, the money's in my account. Thanks, Danvi. Uh, anyway, right, moving on. Um, I think it's time to thank our patrons, Dan. I think it is. We mustn't forget. Ever. Nor would we ever. <laughs> Who would even say that? Well, Dan, thanks for asking. What is a Patreon? Um, a Patreon is a way of supporting... <laughs> it's flawless. I don't think anyone noticed yeah, that. Um, absolutely nailed it. <laughs> a Patreon is a way that you can support the show. Basically, um, in exchange for a small payment uh, per month, uh, which pays for our service costs, it pays for coffee and tea for Dan to drink whilst he edits. And um, uh, when we're allowed to meet up again, it will also pay for uh, additional content that we've been itching to make. And we still have all those whiskey and, and international liquors to consume there are so many miniatures in my house it's (laughs) alarming so i've done very well i haven't touched any of them i am impressed Um, i am impressed mm. so when we're allowed to see each other again and can film safely we'll be making a bunch of videos actually because i think it would be good to sort of get a few in the can um Mm. and uh that's where the patreon money goes basically it makes the show possible you guys are wonderful for for enabling us you are enablers that's what i'm saying um, they're fantastic and you have two choices of tiers you can either be a a top dog mm-hmm. the clear obvious choice because no. dogs are the supremo pet um uh, championed by myself or um you, you know you could be a top cat if you'd like but you know i mean really Really? The best people are top cats. I mean, as a matter of fact, Jasmine was in here a second ago. Um, she was earlier on. She was digging her claws lovingly into the meat of my thigh, um, but uh, she nice. she has decided to uh, to forsake me, unfortunately. Um, so <laughs> so I can't I can't uh, say that all cats are the best, but certainly team cat people are. And I would like to thank them 
Dan, I'd like to thank sure. Team Cat if I Do can, it. because Patreon has a terrible, terrible interface. That's just, yep, I now need to apply that filter. Good, good stuff, Patreon. Uh, I would like to thank the Top Cats, um, them being, them being, is that English? Yeah, that's fine. Th- them? Is that is that right? Them being? Yeah, them being. Okay, we'll stick with it. Cut, keep that you wouldn't in the podcast. Say, you wouldn't say they being. They are Would being. I, that, that's a weird it's, fringe case. It's 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 gonna yeah it's gonna be weird, isn't it? Because it's gonna it's gonna be an old like archaicism. Yeah. I'd like to thank the top cats who are Dan Hanvey, Matt McGuire, Isabella Ostrowski, Bendant, Chucker Cat, Princess Andromeda, Colm Mansfield, Omar Mirando, Ez. Or easy, uh, like Sunday mornings. Oliver Burkhart, Rents Kirk, Will Jennis Humphreys, Oliver Craigie, Lena Medina, River Ward, Christopher Betterton, Naffy Iftikar, Tom Withington, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, nobody turned this into a trap song, Simon P, Thomas Hill, Abu El Ella, The Physics Boy, Violet Hatch, Oliver, and Elliot Conway. Thank you very much for your support, guys. Amazing. And I would like to thank our top dogs, which are Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at front desk, absolutely golden. Our favourite. Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Uh, you guys make this possible, so what we're saying is it's all your fault. Thanks for the money, everybody. It's amazing. Amazing. Top lot. And finally, it's my favourite uh, part of the the podcast where we get to read uh, the wonderful correspondence from our incredibly generous and smart, lovely, caring, wonderful uh, readers. Mm. We have an email here from David. Um, David's email is titled Barristering, Harting, Cozying. And it reads, <laughs> Messrs. Clark and more. It's been that. quite some time uh, since I've written to you gentlemen, and I hope you're keeping well. Uh, as well as can humanly be expected. The time has come, however, to write in having just finished an episode of Puteria Aristata, uh, with so much of it mirroring things that have been exceedingly close to my heart, i.e. heartbreak and indeed the law. Thus, this email is particularly aimed at Team dog, uh, team Dogs Daniel the Spaniel. <laughs> Very good. What, what Very does good. that make me? If you're Daniel the Spaniel, I'm. does any cat breed rhyme with Simon? Simon the... Don't say Pyman. Everybody says Pyman. <laughs> okay, well, we'll think about that. Answers on the postcard. Answers on a postcard. Um, I, right, he goes on. I believe the last time I wrote was under the imaginative nom de plume anonymous. Almost two years ago, exactly. Looking back, I can only surmise the reason for, uh, for omitting my name on that occasion was to further distance myself from being so arse-achingly heartbroken and to better spew my heart diarrhea for the readers. For context, heart I had diarrhea. just moved... Ac- wow. That's lovely. Uh, for context, I had just moved across Europe with my then great love, only for her to call it quits two months in. Oh, oh sorry, mate. I feel your pain. Uh, my my anniversary relationship anniversary would have been three years, um, no. one and a half weeks ago. No, 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 so, no, 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 no. We, don't, anyway, we don't dwell. We do not. We, we, we do not dwell. We do not dwell. Do not dwell. Uh, I can now happily say that I am back living in Iceland, having met someone far better suited to me, cosy as hell in our near monk like life of 2020 getting through covid in as in as zen a fashion as i believe possible it gets so so much better dan 
long after not wanting to move on, rejecting the acceptance of the loss completely. Uh, so you have my dark chocolate coated empathy, as well as my <laughs> nougat filled sympathy. Amazing. Why are off readers um, so much funnier than we are, Dad? They're great. Well, they should they're be the great. ones doing the show. We should be emailing in. Um, secondly, as Simon may remember for our, from our chorus, um, correspondence a few years back, I am also a barrister by training, though not currently practising. I passed the bar in Dublin nearly 10 years ago, Christ, um, and practised for a number of years before moving to Iceland to pursue a master's in environmental law. Would love to chat more and answer any questions about the undergrad master's BVC courses you may have. Oh, brilliant. I'll absolutely be Would love to chat that. Cobber you, more. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Hoping to have the pod back. Uh, hoping to have the pod back now on a semi-regular. Uh, and thanks for all the chuckles and nonsense. Kindest regards, David, aged eighteen million six hundred and fifty-five thousand two hundred minutes. A true gentleman, a, tr- a true connoisseur of the pod. Wow, that's Truly a that's a great curious. offer. Um, yeah, fantastic. Thank you, David. I'll, I'll absolutely be uh, be picking your brain. Silas style from Heroes. How long ago was that? Was Heroes, by the way? Was, is that a reference that people still get? I don't know. Was it 2010? Save the cheerleaders, save the world? 2006, oh my god. Whoa. Oh, that's a reference that's older than some of our listeners. <laughs> oh no. Good grief. All right, anyway, move, moving on. We have an email here from Michael Anthony titled, Oh shite. Cuckoo, Mrs. <laughs> You know it's going to be good when it starts like that. Read the latest yeah, episode nice. a few hours ago at 2am whilst doing some uni work. There's a lot to unpack here already. And having just finished another productive day of work at 5.30am. I would like to take this opportunity to answer the call to action that you broadcasted into my ears so, so deliciously those few sweet hours ago. The problem is, I don't actually remember what it was, and at this point, I'm not too sure I could be asked to go check. If I'm honest, I'm not 100% certain why I'm still sending you this. This is exactly the kind of email I love. Non-tent emails. Absolutely typifies the kind of correspondence we should receive from readers of this podcast. Exactly. Michael, you're you're, you're excelling yourself. Don't try too hard, guys. This is the level we're expecting. Mm. In all seriousness, you are both, by all accounts, absolute babes. Seeing the new episode ping up on my Spotify honestly made my evening, and I hope you two can see the true power. The power. We've had a good year, so the Christmas party's on me this year. Power. Um, <laughs> that you're. Very good. <laughs> I've been alone in the house for a while. That your non-tent. A it's a classic Christmas tune, though. It really yeah, is. It really, really is. Uh, that your non-tent has in making this world a little bit less stressful, even just for an hour or so. Team dogs in it. Tarara bit. Brummy Mike. Oh, Brummy Mike. Greetings. Age. Uh, time lost all meaning a while ago. Wow. It certainly did. Lord, that's that's a lot to unpack. Um, on the note of Spotify, though, I do just want to address uh, those who have been so lovely um, and sharing their Spotify unwrapped um, with uh, with us on the Discord and on socials, uh, showing us that you've been listening to the Wikicast. Um, one poor soul, who I will not identify for obvious reasons, listened to, I think, seven episodes in a day. Good grief! Which is uh, it's... see, I don't, I don't use Spotify. It's not my kind of bag, so I don't really understand what this unwrapped thing is. It, it goes through and basically shows you what you listened to over the year. So it will right. show you what your most popular songs were, what podcasts you listened to the most, um, I see. all that kind of stuff. So th- thanks everybody for sharing that with us because we really, really do um, love 
love seeing uh, that you guys actually, for some reason, engage. Hang on, I'm being called by Pixel Girl. One sec. So we got to the bottom of that email, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, we, did. we were talking about Spotify and Unwrapped and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I think, I think we closed that off. Um, right, over to you then. Let's have... Oh! Uh, Dan, I, there's a message here from Oliver Craigie, one of our top lads. Whoa. Oliver is saying, I just wanted to email you guys so that Oliver Craigie and Oliver are both him. My original Patreon account stopped working. I wasn't deducting monthly payments, so I rejoined. Oh. Noted. Duty noted. We will try our best to remember. We're 100% not going to remember. We're going to keep reading that name out, you son of a bitch. We've got an email here from Georgia. Georgia's email uh, is titled Loneliness, Lockdown and Mental Health. It reads, Hello, Dan and Simon. Firstly, after the last podcast, I hope you are both well. I wanted to message I wanted to message in to say that the discussion about loneliness and mental health in lockdown struck a rather large chord with me. As someone who has always been rather stressy, lockdown has played havoc with my mental health, whereby in March I began to have panic attacks for the first time, and have had them fairly consistently ever since. For lots of reasons, but in large but in a large part due to being a self-employed educator and having little to no work slash contact with the outside world and being very lonely as, as a result. Mm. My partner works nine to five and I can look forward to some human interaction in the evening, but I can't imagine what it's like for those who have none of this. I'm also a qualified mental health first aider. Oh, huh. my own issues aside and work for a mental health charity while I've learned my while I have learned myself uh what I have learned myself and from this is that having a chat is super helpful at times. I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring and say if anyone else is struggling, feel free to pop me over an email on the address above or wing me over an Instagram message at D-U-B-U-R-I-A-R-T. Deburi Art. Deburi Arts, yeah. And we can have a virtual tea and cake chat. No worries if the pod takes a while to come out. This offer lasts. What a lovely thing to say. Yeah, how wonderful. That's that's also I've never heard of a, a mental health first aider, but that that's mm. that's a really interesting concept and yeah. completely necessary at the moment. Georgia also says, feel free not to plug this bit too, but as a related aside, I emailed when the podcast was fairly new about my final major degree project, oh, a handbound Bible-esque. Oh yeah. I remember this! Yes! Whoa, what a throwback! A handbound Bible-esque interview book, which I sent through images. Uh, if you remember, my fine art degree has now evolved partly into making products around mental health with aids to do with scent and tactile distractions, as well as homeware. Do take a look if you'd like, and that is available at www. Deburiart.com. That's D U B U R I A R T dot co dot UK. Not dot com. You got it wrong the first Not time. Not dot com. Yeah, it's fine. I was just excited. All the best and keeping making quality non content. Georgia DeBee. So jo Georgia DeBee. Awesome. That because that that Bible, the hands hands bound Bible, was one of my favorite emails we've ever had. And you're two for two, because that is one of my yeah. other favorite emails we've ever had. What a fantastic I'm looking at offer. the website now and it looks fab. So I mean, it's interesting though because I totally get um, the situation that you find yourself in because that's very similar to Pixel Girl and I. Um, you know, she works nine to five, well, eight till four, um, and um, I'm basically on my own in the house most of the time. So I totally get that kind of isolation that you're experiencing, and mm. you know, there had there were times um, that well, there have been times when you know she's not been around for whatever reason, and you know, it is so isolating. And you're right, like people that don't have 
the a partner coming home you know they don't have that person to talk to in the evenings it must be so mm. isolating um mm. so wow what an email god god i love this podcast dan every, every, yeah. every now and again you know you think oh it's just a podcast about wikipedia no one this doesn't have that much of an influence but no it really does because this is the kind of stuff it's the community that's latched on limpet like to their hms wikicast that really makes it special Ah. That's really bright in my morning. Thank you so much for that, right. Georgia. Yeah, thank you. Okay, shall we proceed mm-hmm. with the outro? Sure. Proceed with the outro. <laughs> Initiate outro sequence. <laughs> Give us Patreon money. Well, Dan, that's the end of the show, and I'm just going to tease for next week. We have some very exciting fan fiction. We haven't mm. heard, it, heard it any for a while. It's been in the emails, we just haven't read it out uh, but we have some very exciting fan fiction to come next week but before then we need to recap what have we learned today today simon we we learned about johannes Vermeer. we did indeed yes who is fab and we also learned about the delft thunderclap which is amazing <laughs> it sounds really cool surely it's not just me that when you hear thunderclap you immediately also insert the phrase dummy thick cheeks like do you do you ever do this <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd be lying if... I don't think dummy thick is part of my idiolect and kind of general kind of lexicon. But, <laughs> That's a Dan Moore quote. I can see, Put that on a poster. Dummy I thick cheeks is not in my idiolect. I can see why you would, though. Um, so, sorry, I, I yeah. caused the the, uh, <laughs> the the Delft thunderclap by dummy thick cheeks. Oh, nice. How <laughs> lovely. We, we should also... Glue, Damn we shouldn't my juicy dumper. <laughs> this was an enormous tragedy. Thousands were inter- injured and hundreds killed. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my, my dumper was too juicy. Oh, God, I'm horrible. We also uh, learnt that there was no choral piece of the week proper this week. However, Simon did uh, choose one for us. Yes, which was Greg Lake, I believe in Father Christmas. Perfect. Absolutely Perfect. We had a brief but lovely Critics Corner. I Mm. highly recommend, if you have access to uh, BBC iPlayer, catch Balloon while it's still on there. Otherwise, have a look for it, because it's really, really great. It sounds fascinating, yeah. We rarely talk about foreign language films. Um, I think the last time, and possibly... (laughs) Possibly possibly the only time we spoke about one was um, that Korean one that won the Oscar. Oh, Parasite. Parasite, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we, we, we. I certainly don't watch enough foreign language films. I've got to say, like it's. Yeah. I, I'm pretty em- embarrassingly barbaric when it comes to that kind of thing. Well, we we love you all the same. Oh, thank you, mate. And then we had some fantastic correspondence, and um, we uh, have some teased fan fiction for next time. But yeah, another good episode, Dan. Well done. Well, well done. Well for, done. For, well done, everybody. For the content. For the non and also and the amazing did you say the amazing correspondence yes uh, it, you no, know i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't listening well done mate now let's just go back to words <laughs> congratulating you well done on the podcast yeah. can we give ourselves a round of applause <laughs> well, god we're, we're such great listeners gosh yeah good li- good at listening is what we are <laughs> oh we should mention we didn't mention um we have the new outro music we have the we have the outro music that was recorded by uh, Matt Cam. For oh us. yeah! Oh my goodness, Professor Can, 
Yeah, we um, absolutely fantastic work. Those who listened to last week's episode may have heard that uh, there was a, a special little addition. Um, that um, variations on the Wikicast theme um, was uh, was composed and played um, by Professor Can. It was much appreciated and is wonderful. There are a couple of others that I might be sneaking in in episodes to come. Um, but if anyone wanted to uh, do perhaps a Christmassy take Ooh, on the Wikicast yeah. theme, that would be really fun and we would absolutely use it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I heard it for the first time in the episode and I was like, where did this come from? This is great. So thank you very much, Matt, for, for doing that one for us. And yes, if anybody else would fancies a challenge and doing a, a festive Wikicast theme, please be our guest. Um, I'd love that. Absolutely love it. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Fish finger responses, because we didn't bloody get any this time. Yeah, you f***s. International <laughs> Christmas tunes you, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time. Gosh, yeah, oh God, I, we nearly Great. forgot Matt's thing. I just, I just realised at the end, and I was like, we can't let this yeah, slide. Good, good shout, because it really is superb.